Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and websites, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on a holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. If you'd like to have more calm and order in your home every day and finally declutter all the stuff that's holding you back, come join the Decluttering Masterclass, where you will join a 21-day decluttering challenge and learn the methods that I use in my own home to control clutter and stay organized. This is the last time the course will be offered at this introductory price. Join today at nataliewalton.com forward slash declutter. Hello everyone. I hope you're all well and I'm really looking forward to sharing today's episode with you. 
It's a topic that relates to so much of the creative process and how we live our lives. And I hope it inspires you to live with less, but in a beautiful, considered way. We're going to talk about one of my favorite concepts, which is less but better. It's a phrase coined by Dieter Rams, who was a German industrial designer who used to design products for the consumer goods company Braun. Many of you will know of him and his work. Most of his most well-known designs included the SK for record player, and it was designed in the 1950s. He's also known for designing a furniture collection for Vitsu in the 1950s as well, which included the 606 Universal Shelving System, which is still in production today. He actually designed the shelves in response to his growing concern with waste. He wanted to create a product with longevity in mind. It's the type of system that's really well made and can be easily dismantled so that you can take it with you if you ever move. And it's something to really keep in mind if you live in a rental home and you can't install inbuilt shelving, it can be dismantled, you can adjust it to your space, you can buy different parts for it. And it's such a clever system, very timeless and looks just as relevant today as it did when he designed it way back in the, the 1950s. And it's such a well-designed product that, like I said, not only does it look good today, but it's one of those things that it's made with a real deliberate consciousness in terms of the parts and how it all comes together. I really encourage you to take a look if you're not familiar with it, although I'm sure you'll recognize it once you do. And I'll put a link in the show notes that you, so you can see for yourself. I'm sure once you see it, you'll go, oh, right, I didn't know that he designed that. In 1976, Dieter Rams gave a speech to an audience in New York. And when I was doing some research for today's episode, I came across his words and so many of them really resonated and they felt completely relevant to our world today and the design process in general, whether you are designing products or your own home and even your life to a degree, the underlying principles still apply. Now, it's in quite incredible that his words really ring true more than 40 years later. He said, Design is a popular subject today, no wonder, because in the face of increasing competition, design is often the only product differentiation that is truly discernible to the buyer. And this really resonated to me because there are so many products out there. Just try buying something like a dining chair or a bar stool or uh, even like a phone any kind of device. There are so many different products out there and we're bombarded with so many choices. So there's one of two options when you're offering any good or service. You can either basically race to the bottom in terms of the price that you're offering somebody for your product or service. If you can't compete on price, and that's just not feasible because let's face it, when you're competing on price, basically what's happening is that somebody is losing out somewhere along the way. If it's your own product or service, then you're not going to make a profit and it's not going to be sustainable for you as a business. If it is to do with the parts that you have, then that's not going to be sustainable because you're going to be buying the cheapest parts possible and the product may be inferior because it is not good quality 
component tree and it won't last. So you will have very unhappy customers in the long run. There's lots of negative outcomes when you basically just compete on price. So the other option is to offer something of value instead. And that's in terms of the functionality of the product or the design or the home that you're creating um, or creating, which is not necessarily mutually exclusive, but focusing on sustainability and something that's going to last, a good quality product. Dieter said, I'm convinced that well thought out design is decisive to the quality of a product. A poorly designed product is not only uglier than a well-designed one, but it is of less value and use. Worst of all, it might be intrusive. He goes on to answer the question of what is good design? And I really, this really resonated quite a lot with me because I think, again, it's so true today. A designer who wants to achieve good design must not regard himself as an artist who, according to taste and aesthetics, is merely dressing up products with a last minute garment. Product design is the total configuration of a product, its form, color, material, and construction. The product must serve its intended purpose efficiently. As I said, I really think you can apply this idea to designing a home. It's easy to think about the finishing touches. You know, what is it gonna look like? And a vision is really key and an important part of the process when it does come to designing a home. But it's much more than that. You need to consider your floor plans and the functionality of your home and how they can be as efficient and as effective as possible. You also want to design with consideration to your color and materials palette, which is the foundation for everything that you will see. And that is key to getting a home that looks and feels cohesive in everything from your hardware choices to your soft furnishings when it comes to objects such as rugs and cushions and lighting, all of those finishing touches. And of course, the construction of your home is not something to be overlooked either. Are you going to choose sustainable or low toxic materials? What will happen to the scraps at the end of the project? Will they end up in landfill or can they be recycled in some way? And what about those tiles that you're weighing up right now and thinking that they look great right now and everyone loves that particular color and you love that particular color right now, but how are you gonna feel about it in five years time when everyone else has moved on? Will you want to rip out those tiles? What will become of them? These are all really important questions to ask yourself in the design process. Dear to Rams, encourage progressive and intelligent problem solving. So how can we apply this to our homes and lives? I think the key is to ask good questions and also to do our research. We cannot just go along with the status quo, you know, the just because, and just think, well, everyone else is doing it. That must just be the way that you do it because it's not necessarily always the best way. There is always an opportunity for improvement and it doesn't have to be hard either. We can read that is always one of the first and most obvious steps, knowledge is true power. And we can listen to podcasts that share knowledge. That's why I create this podcast. I'm interested in learning more about these processes and how we can approach design in a better way, how we can be more sustainable, how we can improve our lives with our homes, how we can 
really embrace the ideas of timeless design, but still making our places feel beautiful and relevant to our lives today. There are so many questions that I want to answer, and that's what I do through the research of these podcasts, but also through the interviews that I have and the questions that I ask of the people who are in the interviews, because I'm on a journey of learning as well. And that's why I want to share these with you, because you might be interested in these questions as well. And of course, will we find a good podcast that helps if we share it with others? I certainly share episodes that I really get a lot of value out from other people's podcasts. And if you learn anything within these episodes, then of course, it's wonderful if you can share it with others who are on this journey. And we can also connect with others who are already on this path and learn from them. So as I said, that's what I try and do through the podcast. But there are other ways, obviously, to connect through community. I mean, Instagram can be a great way. Choose very carefully and consciously who you follow, because it's very easy to become drained by the people that you follow on Instagram. But there's also a lot of people out there who are sharing really good knowledge and you can learn a great deal from them. Dieter Ram said, for design to be understood by everyone, which good design should strive to do, it should be as simple as possible. He said, the majority of project products that we encounter in our day-to-day -day lives scream for attention or try to impress us with their magnificent or minuscule size. And as I said, he said this more than 40 years ago, which is still so relevant. These objects, he said, try to dictate our relationships with them. Good design creates powerful, long-lasting relationships with products as good design creates objects with well-balanced proportions. And again, and I feel so much of this can relate to the way we design our homes too. It's so easy to go for the quick win, you know, that idea or concept that will get an instant response or just copying somebody else's idea. Oh, they, you know, hung a hammock in that spot. So I'll do that too. Well, they did this. So I, I'll take that idea and I'll just transpose it into my home, whether it's relevant or not, or you just think it seems like a good idea or it might look good, but you haven't maybe considered it within the whole scheme. And that's what, you know, holistic design is all about is, is considering all of the elements. And you really want to embrace these things that are, you're going to want to have for a long time. I know that it's easy to go for that quick win, but as I said, good design creates a long lasting relationship. We really want to love our space for years to come. And I know that when I'm in the research phase of any project, I spend time looking through interiors that are old. Now, I know that might sound a bit strange, but I'm really interested in the ones that have stood the test of time. I'm not interested in what everyone's doing right now. Instead, I prefer to look at interiors from 10, 20, 50 years ago and what still looks good, what still feels relevant. That's always my starting point when I begin any design project. Just as a brief example, for instance, I like looking at the home, the Ghost Ranch by Georgia O'Keeffe. I mean, that home is, is so old now, over 50 plus years, and it still feels really relevant and it still feels beautiful. And I really get so much out of it every time I look at it. I've visited the home of Alva Alto in Helsinki and it just, it didn't feel like I was stepping into a home from, forgive me if I'm wrong, it's the 1920s or 1930s, but it's for, you know, a hundred years old. And it was still beautiful, still relevant. 
they're the kind of spaces that I want to create. They're the kind of ideas that I want to investigate. Dieter Ram said, to use design to impress, to polish things up, to make them chic is no design at all, he said. This is packaging. This also makes me think it relates to styling as well. It's very easy to just make things look pretty on a surface level. But in my new book, Style, The Art of Creating a Beautiful Home, I go behind the scenes and I'm really interested in style and styling that is more nuanced than that, that is less surface value. And it's more about really connecting to what connects with you on an emotional level. Now, and while I know I've already shared many of his words, so many of Dieter's are still relevant today. He summed it up so well in the speech from 1976. He was talking about our environment because, of course, design isn't just about products or our home, but the world that we create too. He said, our environment is changing rapidly. There are larger questions that we need to answer about our urban environment and how it affects us as individuals and as a society. What effects do electric pylons, skyscrapers, highways, street lighting and car parks, for example, have on our psyche and relationships? We know that the residents of anonymous concrete blocks can become depressed as a result of their surroundings. But who is researching these things systematically? Who takes all of this really seriously? And this is what really resonates. Well, it did for me, and I wonder if it does for you. He said, I imagine our current situation will cause future generations to shudder at the thoughtlessness in the way in which we today fill our homes, our cities, and our landscape with a chaos of assorted junk. What a fatalistic apathy we have towards the effect of such things. What atrocities we have to tolerate. Yet we are only half aware of them. I find that so powerful to think that he was writing about future generations, which is us, and yet we're still doing that ourselves. And finally, I want to close out with this quote from him about what he says about the environment, because again, we could be talking about today. He says, this complex situation is increasing and possibly irreversible. There are no discrete actions anymore. Everything interacts and is dependent on other things. We must think more thoroughly about what we are doing, how we are doing it, and why we are doing it. Now, I've shared more of his words than I was expecting to, but they are powerful and a really timely reminder that we are responsible for the world that we create around us. Embracing less is not just important in the design process, but also in the way that we participate in the world. I spoke recently in episode 53 about the power of embracing less noise in our lives, how much mental space all of the constant imagery and information can take up in our brains. And it really doesn't allow us time to think our own thoughts or prioritize what's most important in our lives. It can drain us of our own creativity and ability to solve simple problems, basically because our brains are overloaded. As Dieter Ram says, we need to consider the way of living with less when it comes to our physical world too. And I truly believe that we can make positive change. We can take responsibility for what's happening all around us. And I'm a big believer that that can start in our homes. We can focus on living a life of less but better. 
We can choose to only have the things in our homes that serve us and add to our lives rather than clutter and complicate it. Because how often do we have things? I mean, I don't know if you're home right now, but maybe take a look around at what you've got and just see like the stuff that you see. Is that cluttering your home? Is it just complicating it or is it actually helping serve you in some way? It's a really good question to ask yourself. When you get back control over all of your possessions, you get more freedom and time to focus on what really matters. When we've got more order in our homes, it's so much easier to live that way. We can save so much time. We're not kind of walking backwards, backwards and forwards from one end of the house to another. We're not searching for things. We're not kind of double handling things or having duplicates. We can just waste a phenomenal amount of time and money when we don't have that basic order in our homes. And I really found this true, this idea of getting freedom and time to focus on what really matters recently after making donations in response to the devastating floods in my local community, as some of you will know. The Northern Rivers region had basically the worst floods on records and it was heartbreaking. I mean, people lost their lives. Others were stranded for days on top of their roofs as literally our local community came together and got out boats and were rescuing people. And it was both completely horrific and also just so heartwarming that people can be so considerate and generous and just come together in the most beautiful way. So when news of that was breaking and we started to realize the magnitude of what was happening, people within our community just started to have collection drives for basic things like clothing and bedding and toothbrushes and sanitary products, whatever you could spare, toilet paper, to because these people had lost literally everything. They had nothing left but the clothes that they were wearing. And so as with many other people in my community, I went through our home with my children, with my family, and looked at what we could donate. And it was really eye-opening, that experience of walking around and realizing how much we actually don't need, how much stuff is just superfluous, how much stuff is just taking up space, it's just clutter, and that it's really just holding us back in many ways from living a kind of true and simple life that we can then get to focus on the really important things, the things that are actually meaningful. And the things that are important is, you know, to have a safe and secure home, to be with the ones that you love. So we went through our home. And of course, the first response was to think just how incredibly grateful we were to have a roof over our head and a bed to sleep in and that we didn't have to worry about rising floodwaters. But as I said, the fact that we just, we had so much more than what we really needed. Now I'm the sort of person that goes through and I'm constantly decluttering and I'm constantly going through our collections and getting rid of what we don't need. And even these past summer holidays at the end of the, the school year, I went through my daughter with her bedroom because it was starting to get a little bit out of control. And we did this big exercise together and we got rid of so much stuff to the point that in her wardrobe, she's just got empty shelves. And I was so impressed with how much she, as a 10-year-old girl, was just able to let go of. And I think I might do a separate episode on decluttering with children because 
I think that's one of the things that holds so many people back and they people don't know how to talk with children. And I found that whole experience incredibly eye-opening as well. Anyway, so we went through um, the home and I was looking at what we could give. And like I said, some of the basic things and we went through our own clothing. The girls have been making skirts over the summer. So they donated some of the skirts that they were well, all of the skirts they had made that were completed that they were going to sell at the market, but they donated them. And I went into my younger son's bedroom and in there, because at this house, there is no storage um, cupboard like in the hallway for linen or anything like that so we've got this big industrial lockers in his room and the top shelf is basically filled with hand-me-downs from his older brother who is eight years older than him now these are t-shirts and shorts and shoes that are still all in very good condition but my son my eldest son has outgrown them and the intention is to pass them down because we do that without our family i mean my youngest son last night was wearing pajamas that have gone through every single one of my children and that really is for me a, a prime lesson in if you buy once buy well because you can pass it down and obviously not all of you have four children but you can pass it down to cousins or to friends or to other people, people are in, who are in need. And rather than having some things that just, you know, sometimes they don't even get through one season with one child. So I was very impressed with those pajamas. And that was, again, one of those beautiful reminders to buy well. And so that top shelf, that top row in the lockers was all these good quality hand-me-downs. So we donated all of those. And then the next two rows were all of the sheets and bed linen pillowcases, fitted sheets that were all for when we were putting our home on Airbnb. So we donated all of those. We had another cupboard, which we had sets of towels enough for two families of four. Um, and that we donated all of those towels, as well as, like I said, clothing and, and other supplies. Now, we were just one of many, many families who were donating as much as we could to those in need. But it was really quite profound when we came home and I just had such a feeling of relief and release to have let go of those things. Even though they were useful things and we could still have used them at some point in the future, it felt so good to just let them go, especially giving them to somebody else who was in need. Now, I've spoken in, I think it's episode seven, and I will link to it in the show notes about the whole process when I go through decluttering my own home and the questions that I ask myself and what I've found really helpful over the years to learn to let go of things. But it, one of the things that I find increasingly one of the most powerful ways to learn to let go of things and to live with less is to really focus on the person who is going to benefit from what you're giving so of course i don't just like to put things into the rubbish bin or to put it into landfill i very much want things to live on and and to something to have a second life or a third life or however many lives it might have but to really think about those people who are in need and even if it's a friend and they've got a young child and and it's helpful to them i mean i've got friends who um you know they've they might not be working and so they don't have a huge amount of additional income and you know my girls have have grown out of clothes and so i'm so happy to see these dresses that i have loved and my daughters have loved get used by somebody else who will love and appreciate them as well and 
Of course, you can do that with charity shops, but certainly this instance with donating to the Flood Appeal, it really was such a beautiful feeling of passing on and letting go of these goods, knowing that they really would be helping somebody else. And I realized as well that once I cleared away those things, how much simpler and easier it was going to make my life because there were things that were starting to build up on the top of my son's chest of drawers, his Lego collections, because he's color coded everything. And now we can put them into the cupboard. So it's going to be so much easier to keep his room tidy. There's so much benefit that comes from when we simplify and when we get rid of the things that we don't actually need. I really think that clutter creates so much chaos and so much unnecessary work, extra work, in our daily lives. When we simplify, it really does make life so much easier. One of the big sort of side effects of all this rain that we've been having in our region and this La Nina weather pattern, which has basically meant that we've had almost nonstop rain for the past three or four months, is that there's been a lot of mold. We live in a subtropical region, so it can be a little bit prone to that, but it's been quite intense. And the more stuff you have, the more stuff you need to clean, the more stuff that you're constantly having to dust and trying to ensure that it's not going to get moldy and it's just more work. So it's been such a good reminder to really simplify and go through that process. And literally, I am in the middle again of doing this big big deep cleanse in my home and cleaning all the walls and getting rid of everything that we don't need and I've we have literally started at the front of the house we got on the weekend the high pressure hose and hose down all of the front of the house the the steps because the dust I mean living in the country you do get the dust from the road but so that dust attracts mold and like going through all of the rooms in the house and and cleaning every single surface and ensuring that everything that we need is something that we truly want to have in our home and it's not just there because that's just the way that it's always been or that we're just living in the status quo or we're just living in some kind of stasis that we're actually being intentional about what we have in our home and it's there for a reason and it's there because we love it or it's really useful and I really don't need any extra work in my own life. I'd rather use that time and spend it with my children or go to the beach or have, you know, be able to do something enjoyable rather than just spend my life cleaning, cleaning the, the dust and the mold and, and up after my children. Because obviously the more stuff they have, the just the bigger job it is to tidy up after them. So that's really what less but better is to me in my home. It's really about removing what's not necessary and making life easier. It's about stripping away what you don't need so that you can really focus on what's most important. As Dieter Ram said, less but better. I really hope that you found this episode helpful in some way. And if so, I'd appreciate if you could share it with a friend who it might resonate with too. Of course, subscribe, rate and review if you feel so inclined. I would love to have you come and listen to another episode as I interview all these experts and share some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll see you the same time next week. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast 
and I would like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>